It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everyone. Welcome to the program. In the last episode, we were discussing linguistic thievery and the political left's new meaning of words. In particular, the left has changed the meaning of tolerance. True tolerance doesn't require that we treat all ideas as equally valuable. No, true tolerance means we treat all people as equally valuable with kindness and with civility and with freedom to express their ideas even when we disagree with them. That is real tolerance. Boston College philosophy professor Peter Kreeft has a good way of putting it. He says, be egalitarian about people. That is, treat all people with equal dignity and respect regardless of their views. But, he says, be elitist about ideas. In other words, treat some ideas as better than other ideas. Why? Because they are. Some are good. Some are bad. Some are smart. Some are just plain dumb. Some are dangerous. And we ought to be able to have the liberty to determine what is what in our discussions without being called names, and certainly without fearing we'll lose our jobs or our careers. True tolerance applies to how we treat people with whom we disagree, not how we treat ideas with which we disagree. All people have equal value. All points of view do not. So, in any discussion, always ask what people mean by the words they are using. Do not assume the words have their normal historic meaning. All this manipulation of language, linguistic thievery, has paid off for the left. Because whoever controls the words controls the culture. Perhaps you think I am overstating the issue. Just try using plain, everyday language instead of the left's politically correct jargon, and you will see how far the left will go. Use what they deem as the wrong words, and the left will come after you like gangbusters. The culture war is largely a war of words. Right now, the left is winning in America. You can see the consequences everywhere in politics, in education, in media. Now is the time to fight back. We should not cede another word to the left. What's in a word? Everything. What's good about linguistic thievery? Nothing. 
But the linguistic thievery reveals a much broader agenda of the political left. Allow me to address other areas where the left is attempting to alter our nation's traditions. First, not only is there thievery in terms of words, but there is also shenanigans in education. And for that, I blame the NEA. The NEA sanctioned the Marxist idea of critical race theory being taught in schools. That, I think, reveals their real purpose, and it is not good for our nation's survival, and it is not good for real education. What bothers me is that lies are being smuggled into our children's minds. Remember that the end goal of Marxism is the dissolution of all hierarchies, including family, religion, and morality. To me, that is a traitorous idea, and the NEA should be condemned and maybe even dissolved. David Horowitz is a noted conservative commentator and the New York Times best-selling author. He is the author of several books, including The Black Book of the American Left and Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America. In The Dark Agenda, Horowitz warns that the attacks on Christians and their beliefs threaten all Americans, including Jews like himself. He says that Judeo-Christian values are at the very root of America's democracy. Kill off such values, and all of our freedoms will vanish like the wind. The left is using a huge eraser to remove all vestiges of the Christian faith on those who founded our nation. They want no indication that many American presidents prayed and read the Bible for guidance. They want no memory recorded on the monuments that reflect a Christian worldview. In the first chapter of Dark Agenda, Horowitz informs us that there are some that think religion must die. They do not mean just some religions must die, say Christianity, Judaism, Islam, or Buddhism, but the totality of all religions. Others promote the idea that the world is decidedly atheistic. That is, they do not believe there is a God and that the way to explain the world is through the lens of a scientifically based worldview. Many such people affiliate themselves with the political left, but it would be a mistake that all political leftists think this way. This group of dissenters is more properly known as the New Atheists. Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett, and Christopher Hitchens are known as the Four Horsemen of Atheism. They have made it their mission to eliminate all religion. Sam Harris, for example, is up in arms over what he calls irrationality of belief in God. He wonders why anyone would debate atheism at all. In his book, Letter to a Christian Nation, he writes, Atheism is not a philosophy. 
It is not even a view of the world. It is simply an admission of the obvious. In fact, atheism is a term that should not even exist. No one ever needs to identify himself as a non-astrologer or a non-alchemist. My response to Sam Harris is that maybe the term atheist should not exist, and perhaps no one needs to identify himself as an atheist, but people do identify him, themselves by that term. Bertrand Russell did, and so did Anthony Flew for five decades before he converted to theism. The four horsemen of atheism do as well. Harris's attempt to join together theism with other false beliefs will not succeed because he still needs an argument to show that the proposition God exists is false. Those who have tried, Sartre, Russell, Dawkins, Hitchens, and others, have all failed. In a country like the United States, that was clearly founded on Christian principles, where does the verbiage about the dying of religion start? Chapter 2 of Dark Agenda shows that the roots of the war against religion go way back in history. But the New Atheist War perhaps goes back to the writings of Christopher Hitchens. He is not merely an atheist. He is an anti-theist. He believes that religion is dangerous and should be eradicated. Hitchens' perspective is not new. He is merely parroting some of the anti-religious literature of Karl Marx, who wrote, Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, just as it is the spirit of spiritless conditions. It is the opium of the people. Evil in the form of suffering is seen by many as evidence against the existence of the Christian God. Skeptics ask, how could an all-good, all-powerful God exist in a world of pain, suffering, and misery? Most attempts to disprove the existence of God have focused on this problem of evil. The atheist philosopher, historian, economist, and essayist, David Hume described it as the rock of atheism. Hans Kuhn, a priest, theologian, author, and theological advisor during the Second Vatican Council for the Catholic Church, confirms that title applies to the new atheist. They say, how can anyone call the God of the Bible good? They charge God with exterminating the Canaanites, including women and children. They accuse God of child abuse because God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Consequently, in the minds of these name-callers, God is a moral monster. But at the same time, they say nothing about the atheistic communist regimes that committed over 100 million deaths in the 20th century. How does that coincide with reality? 
I think they don't speak against those deaths because those regimes were dominated by people who hold the same atheistic worldview. Their silence gives consent. Notice the new atheists hold God to an absolute standard of morality. They, however, hold all humans to a relativistic standard of morality, but most especially for themselves. But the new atheists are not the only people calling God uncomplimentary names. The progressive church, which masquerades as a segment of the Christian church, calls God a child abuser by saying that Jesus, the Son of God, was killed by God. In her book, Another Gospel, the Christian apologist Elisa Childers writes, the one thing that virtually all progressive church thought leaders agree on is that Jesus didn't die to pay the penalty for our sin. He was crucified by an angry mob for speaking truth to power. And his love and forgiveness toward those who killed him is an example we should all follow. According to progressive Christians, Jesus did not need to die, but he submitted himself to the will of the people. According to their wisdom, the historic view makes God nothing more than an abusive father. Progressive British minister Steve Chalky says, Penal substitution is tantamount to child abuse. A vengeful father punishing his son for an offense he has not even committed. Christians have always seen the cross as the ultimate picture of divine love. That is documented by the scriptural passages of John 3.16 and Romans 5 verses 6 8 through 11. Yet this act of supreme self-sacrifice and demonstration of love on the cross in the fact that Jesus took on the wrath of God on our behalf in order for us to be saved is misconstrued and twisted into something grotesque. A few years after authoring the best-selling novel, The Shack, William Paul Young released a theological treatise called Lies We Believe About God. In it, the hints and innuendos he made in his novel, The Shack, are now articulated quite bluntly. This treatise contains a chapter entitled God Requires Child Sacrifice arguing that what is traditionally called penal substitutionary atonement, in his opinion, is a lie. Young writes on page 150 to 151, who originated the cross? If God did, then we worship a cosmic abuser, who in divine wisdom created a means to torture human beings in the most painful and abhorrent manner. And how would we religious people interpret this sacrifice? We would declare that it was God who killed Jesus, 
slaughtering him as a necessary appeasement for his bloodthirsty need for justice. Then on page 169, Young writes, One of the narratives about God is that because of sin, God required child sacrifice to appease a sense of righteous indignation and the fury of holiness, Jesus being the ultimate child sacrifice. Well, if God is like that, we know intuitively that such a thought is wrong, desperately wrong. Notice, Young did not supply any evidence to back up his claims, but only appealed to intuition. Allow me to end this episode by reminding you, exercise daily, walk with God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith, with Joe Mott.